if you brought your Bibles this morning, and I hope that you have, turn with me to the book of John. John chapter 2, all right? John chapter 2, I want to begin in the first verse this morning, and I want to try to share with you a few thoughts this morning. John chapter 2, we're going to begin at verse 1. We'll go through the first 11 or maybe 12 verses, uh, and then we'll go to the Lord together in a word of prayer. John chapter 2, the gospel according to John, chapter 2, verse 1 begins. In the third day there was a marriage in Cana of Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. And both Jesus was called and his disciples to the marriage. And when they wanted wine, the mother of Jesus saith unto him, They have no wine. Verse 4, Jesus saith unto her, Woman, what have I to do with thee? Mine hour is not yet come. Verse 5, His mother saith unto the servants, Whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. And there was set there six water pots of stone, after the manner of the purifying of the Jews, contain, uh, containing two or three firkins apiece. Jesus saith unto them, Fill the water pots with water. And they filled them up to the brim. And he saith unto them, Draw out now and bear unto the governor of the feast. And they bear it. And when the ruler of the feast had tasted the water that was made wine, and knew not whence it was, but the servants which drew the water knew, the governor of the feast called the bridegroom. And he saith unto him, Every man at the beginning doth set forth good wine. And when men have well drunk, then... That which is worse, but thou hast kept the good wine until now. This beginning of miracles did Jesus in Cana of Galilee, and it manifest forth his glory, and his disciples believed on him. Will you bow your heads with me in a word of prayer this morning? Dear Heavenly Father, we just humbly come before you this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the good day. We thank you, Lord, for these mothers. We thank you, Lord, for uh, the mothers that you put in our lives. We thank you, Lord, for the blessings you poured out on us. We thank you, Lord, for, uh, Lord, the breath that we draw. It's a gift from you. The ability to be here, the freedom that we have. Lord, it's a gift from you. And we thank you and we praise you and we give you the glory. We thank you most of all, though, for your son, Jesus. Lord, that you sent him and give him so that we might have life and have that life eternally and abundantly. Lord, let us never take that lightly or for granted. Let us always be ready to praise you and give you glory because you alone are worthy of it. And Lord, I pray this morning, Lord, that there's been requests mentioned. I think uh, especially of the young lady, Brie Loveland, that was mentioned just a while ago. She's been on our prayer list. Lord, we know that she's battling with a physical infirmity. Lord, we know that you're the great healer and all uh, that you're the great physician. All true healing comes from you. And Lord, we place this into your hands. Lord, we don't know what your will is. And Lord, but that's what we're praying is for your will to be done. For you to comfort the family. For somehow through it all, they to be drawn closer to you. Souls to be won and added to your kingdom. And Lord, I pray specifically for our service here this morning. Help us, Lord, to honor you, 
to glorify you alone. Help us to continue to enter into worship and to worship you in spirit and truth. Help us, Lord, to be the people you've called us to be. Help us to glorify you in everything that we do. Lord, my heart's desire this morning is that you would meet every need here. God, that you would search our hearts, that you'd lift us up, that you would encourage us, draw us near to you, convict us of where we fall short, the things that we've let into our heart and our life that doesn't belong there, uh, those of us that are backslidden, not where we ought to be, those maybe among us who have never been saved, uh, those who don't know you, those who have forsaken you, those who have rejected you. God, let today be the day, Lord, that they would repent and turn to you before it's everlasting too late. God, have your way and your will in this service in our midst. And we'll give you the glory for it because we love you and we worship you. And we praise your holy name. And Lord, let me ask one more thing. I need your help here this morning. Uh, I can't preach without you. Not one lick. I need your help. I'm asking, Lord, that you would clear my mind of everything but your message, your thoughts, your words. Place on my tongue the very words you'd have me to speak, Lord. Uh, give me the boldness, the confidence I need to preach your word in a way that pleases you and glorifies you. Lord, I'm asking for your holy, anoint, your holy unction, your anointing. Lord, fill me full of your spirit. Lord, anoint me from on high. And God, I'll be sure and give you every bit of the glory for it. Preach me one more time here tonight or this morning. God, have your way and your will. We love you. We worship you. We invite your presence in. We ask it all in the precious and holy name of Jesus. Amen. This story is the story of uh, Jesus turning the water into wine at the marriage in Cana of Galilee. It's talked about a lot. It's debated a lot. Uh, there's people with different thoughts and, you know, some of them are pretty good thoughts. Some of them are a little wild and crazy. I don't plan on really getting into any of that this morning. I think the Bible makes it very clear in verse 11 that this is the first miracle performed by Jesus. Uh, it, it reads like it's the very miracle performed by him, period. I've never really studied that out too far too hard, and, and so I would hate to say that as a 100%, but I think, I think that's what it's saying. Here's what I have studied, and I do know for sure, is this right here is the first miracle, and I know it's telling us this, this is the first miracle performed by Jesus, right, to demonstrate his deity, that he is God manifest in the flesh. As a matter of fact, John, it, this is a big point, a big theme of the Gospel of John. That's why I said I've studied this part out before. This is a, this is a big part of the theme of John. As a matter of fact, John tells us in his Gospel, in this one Gospel, right, we got four Gospel accounts, lots of miracles in all of them, but there is seven specific miracles, right, uh, between the beginning of Jesus' ministry until his, his crucifixion and resurrection, right, there is seven specific miracles performed by Jesus in this gospel which constitute signs or clues or confirmations of who Jesus is. That's the whole point of it. And every single one of these miracles, if you go through and you study all seven of them, every single one of them are about transformation, right? They are about uh, transformation, or another word you could use there is renewal, right? Renewal of a fallen 
creation, right? We go through, we see the restoring of sight, right? The making the lame to walk, right? Uh, Restoring life uh, uh, to the dead. We see all of this. This first miracle can be kind of hard for us to understand sometimes, but one thing that I think is important, and I think it's important not to get into the weeds, but I think one thing that is important about this, or I find interesting in the very least, is to note that Moses' first miracle was to turn the water into blood. And Jesus' first miracle was to turn the water into wine. And I can't help but wonder, I wonder if it was, if it was red wine. I wonder if it reminded them of the miracle of the, you know, what the prophet Moses had, or the, what, the miracle that Moses had done, his first miracle. I wonder if it reminded them of the prophet that Moses spoke of in Deuteronomy chapter 18 uh, that was the, the one whom God had promised to send to Israel. You see, that was a big thing for the Jews as they were waiting for, the, for this special person, this prophet, who would be the Messiah, who Moses had already prophesied of and said would come that would be like him. I don't know, but I can't help but wonder that. Here's what I do know. I know the whole point of the, these miracles, these signs, these clues, these confirmations, is they are moments when heaven and earth intersect with each other. As a matter of fact, that's exactly what the Jews believe happened in the Holy of Holies in the temple. That this was a place where heaven and earth intersected. When we look at this and look at, you know, what I usually do is I'll go through and I'll read and I'll study a story and I just kind of put it in my own mind and my own words so that I can understand it. And when I look at this, I see that when the, when the wine ran out, Jesus' mother came to him saying, they haven't got any more wine. I shouldn't think like this, but when I think about that part, I think that sounds kind of bad on her part, right? She's all of a sudden all concerned they've run out of wine. Anyways, she comes to him. And Jesus' reply is, you know, something kind of like, all right, Mom. But what in the world has that got to do with you and with me? My time hasn't come yet. Now, that last sentence, right, it's in verse 4 there. My hour has not yet come. It's peculiar. It's different. It's, uh, you know, I don't know. It just seems almost a little out out of place. But now when we begin to think about this, there's only two times that we see Jesus' mother in the Gospel of John. Only twice does she, do, do we have uh, a story, an event that involves her, uh, you know, and we see some interaction with her. The other time being at the foot of the cross in chapter 19. I think this is important because Jesus' strange remark here in verse 4, mine hour is not yet come, I think it looks through time until at last the time does come and his glory is revealed fully as he dies on the cross. I think there's, a, I think there's an important 
connection between this event when Jesus says my time has not yet come until we go forward to when his time has come that he's talking about and his glory is fully revealed as he dies there on the cross. Now don't mistake that event, right? Because that event for John is the ultimate moment when heaven and earth meet and that is when it takes all the faith in the world, right? To see the glory of the Lord that is hidden in... in um, is hidden in the shame. I mean, think about it. The Lord of this universe, present in that moment as a weak, dying human being. Now, I could preach a lot of things. Those are just a few things that I felt like I needed to point out here this morning. And I could preach a number of, of, of elements of this story. But this morning, as we celebrate Mother's Day, I want to draw your attention to what Mary, the mother of Jesus, to what she said. Did you catch what she said? In verse 5, she tells the servants, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Right? Do whatever he tells you. Mary had conveyed to the servants that it would be a mistake to question, to try to uh, logically reason out the command that Jesus might give them. She doesn't even know yet what he is going to say. She had already, if you think back at Mary's life, she had already experienced God's unconventional methods. Think of the virgin birth and the Holy Spirit coming upon her and her becoming impregnated, right? And, and, and that is how Jesus come, God chose to bring Jesus into the world. That is definitely unconventional, unnatural methods. But I want you to take note of something that is makes this statement of hers even that much more interesting. I want you to realize this morning that she had some inside information. She knew that Jesus could do something, right? She knew who he was. I mean, the true identity of Christ had been carefully concealed. There's no question about that up until this point. But Mary knew who he was. For 30 years she had waited for him to reveal himself as the Messiah. If you go back and read when the uh, angel Gabriel had come and talked to her from that point forward uh, or, or in that area there, she began to understand and know what was happening and what was going on. She had no doubt who he really was. She had no doubt that he was God. She knew he was going to do something amazing. The point I'm trying to get at here is the more you get to know about Jesus, the more you realize that this sort of thing was precisely what you should expect with him around when Jesus shows up on the scene. So as we think about what Mary had to say, do whatever he tells you. Look at the um, I guess you could call the source of the instruction that she's telling them to follow. She says um, in verse 5, whatsoever he saith, he saith, do whatever he says. 
it wasn't, uh, realize here, it wasn't so much about what was being said as it was who it was that was saying it. That's what was so important here. She knew. She knew that even as the mother of Jesus, that her words lacked the punch, the power, the authority, the impact that his would. She knew that if and when Jesus chose to speak, things would start to happen. She realized that the source of the instruction was the key to this whole thing. It was who was saying it. She knew that when God got involved, things would happen. Listen, there is something different, right? There is something powerful when Jesus spoke. If you look at the, after the end of the Sermon on the Mount, and you look in uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 28 and 29, it says it came to pass when Jesus had ended these sayings, the people were astonished at his doctrine. For he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. The scribes are the ones who had penned the scriptures, had copied the scriptures over and over and over, right? They'd done that for a living. That was their profession, right? They were as familiar with the word of God as anybody in their day. They knew it inside and out, every jot and every tittle. Yet when the living word began to speak, it was different. He taught them as one having authority. That's why it says, and uh, what they say about him in John seven forty six, never a man spake like this man. There was something different about Jesus when he spoke. It was unprecedented. It was unrivaled. It was powerful. And then I want you to see the simplicity of what she tells them to do. Do it. Whatever he saith, do it. Whatever he says, just do it. You think about it, I love the contrast in her words. She acknowledged that if and when Jesus spoke. First of all, there's no telling what he would say. In other words, she didn't have any idea what he was going to do. She just knew he was going to do something. She acknowledged that his command could be anything from something very simple to something unconventional. Not what they would have expected. And I love the way that she simplified this whole equation, right? She counterbalanced the scales, I guess you could say. On one side, there is the unconventional, the unexpected, the unprecedented. On the other side, there is the simplicity of just do it. Right? Isn't that the old Nike theme or whatever, just something like that? I was thinking about that, and that may be where my mind come up with that. But just do it. That's what she's saying. I believe she had a firm understanding of the power of obedience. Right? Think about this. Mary, right? The mother of Jesus, right? She had been approached by the, by the angel Gabriel uh, some 30 years earlier. The angel told her that she would give birth to the Messiah even though that she was a virgin. And do you remember what Mary's response was? Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. Mary's act of submission 
her act of obedience to the words of the angel, to the Lord, it had changed her life. Her grasp of the fact that with God nothing shall be impossible had forever changed her. And now Mary looked at these servants and commanded them, Whatsoever he saith, whatsoever he saith unto you, do it. Do it. Listen. This is a short, simple, sweet message this morning. I just want to simply urge you this morning, do what mom says. Do what mom says. Right? She knew what she was talking about here. That was without a doubt the best advice a mother has ever gave. Just do what he says. And let me tell you this as I get ready to close. You might want to just kind of keep in mind that transformation only comes when we take Mary's words seriously. Do so whatever he tells you, right? Do what the Lord tells you to do. Look, Jesus came to transform things. That's what this miracle is about. Jesus came to change things. Just as he transformed the water into wine then, now he transformed sinners into saints, death into life, (coughs) excuse me, and misery into blessedness. And listen, here's, your, here's my message to you. He's willing to transform you and your life if you'll just give it to him. That's what it's all about. Just surrender it. Just give it to him, and he will transform it. Just like he did on that day. Just like we see in every one of the miracles that John outlines for us. That's what it was all about. That's why he came. So I don't know, as Jennifer is coming for a song of invitation, I don't know your heart. I don't know what your thoughts were or why you're here this morning. I know why you should be, but I don't know why you actually are. But I'm going to say this. As the Spirit of God has been talking to you, if He's been dealing with you, if you felt that tug on your heart, that urge, don't resist. Don't hold back. Just listen. Just do it. Right? Just do it. Take mom's advice. Do what mom said. Would you stand to your feet? I want to open the altar and I want to give you a chance to come this morning. The Spirit of God is dealing with you. Would you come this morning? If you've got a need, if you've got a heavy burden, would you come this morning? Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Would you come this morning? There's a lot to be praying for. Maybe there's some things going on in your life. Come and pray. Maybe uh, listen. Whatever it is, don't miss this opportunity. Just come on. Just come on.